Senator Peroni's a very respected guy. He served in this building for a long time. I've known him for a long time. When he, you know, made his testimony, I would have no reason to believe that he wasn't telling the truth. George Washington Bridge. Uh -huh. George Washington, Washington Bridge. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christy Tracker Podcast. In 2012, more than 102 million vehicles crossed the George Washington Bridge, which connects Fort Lee, New Jersey, and New York City. And it is the busiest bridge in the world. Mr. Wildstein requested that a one-week study be conducted beginning on Monday, September 9th. George Washington, Washington Bridge. I'm David First, and we might have to retitle this episode the Baroni Tracker. Bill Baroni, the former deputy executive director of the Port Authority, was on the stand this week in the Bridgegate trial. He and former Christie staffer Bridget Kelly are on trial for allegedly orchestrating the lane closures leading to the George Washington Bridge in a scheme to punish the mayor of Fort Lee for not endorsing Governor Christie's re-election bid. WNYC's Andrea Bernstein and Matt Katz have been taking in the whole trial and join us now with the latest. Welcome back. Hey. Thanks, David. And I have to mention this music, uh, Ernie and Bert singing that uh, haunting refrain about the bridge. Uh, that was sent in uh, to us by a podcast listener who just stumbled across some vintage Sesame Street music this past week. So uh, thanks for that. Matt, one of the two people on trial finally took the stand this week in his defense, Bill Baroni. What was his basic argument? His basic argument was that David Wildstein, the, the admitted co-conspirator, was actually the one that called the shots in closing this, these lanes and retaliating against the mayor. And Baroni had nothing to do with it. He just thought this was an innocent traffic study that David Wildstein was running. And when David Wildstein told him to ignore phone calls, emails, text messages from the mayor of Fort Lee, where all this traffic was happening. The mayor is very upset about public safety. Wildstein tells Baroni, ignore it. It's fine. I'll call the mayor. Don't, don't call him back. Baroni said he trusted Wildstein and regretted it. The one big problem with that whole defense is that Baroni was Wildstein's boss. And the explanation there from Baroni is that Wildstein really didn't answer to him, even though technically Baroni was his boss. Wildstein really answered to Trenton. And Trenton equals Chris Christie. I mean, there is other evidence that we've seen for that, that uh, Wildstein was the one calling the shots, including Wildstein's own testimony about his conversations with Chris Christie. There's also emails. For example, it was Wildstein who directed Baroni to keep radio silence. And that was a big thing on the witness stand with Baroni because Baroni was saying that he thought there was a real traffic study and he was told by David Wildstein, don't call the mayor, don't call the Fort Lee police, don't do anything, because if you do, it'll skew the results. This notion, though, that Baroni was just doing the bidding of David Wildstein, uh, is the jury going to buy that? 
In terms of whether the jury is buying what Baroni's selling, part of what they may be thinking about is a video that they watched last week of a very different Bill Baroni than the one who has presented himself on the stand, a cockier Bill Baroni, when he actually sold this traffic study sto- cover story or tried to sell this traffic study cover story to the New Jersey legislature. Uh, this is before the whole uh, scheme was, was blown up and, and came out publicly. And in that video, he presents himself very differently. I'm grateful for the opportunity, Chairman, to come here this morning and address the committee and answer all of your questions. I think a jury might try, be trying to reconcile those different Bill Baronis because the one that is on the stand is, is, is somewhat meek. Um, he seems unsure of himself in that he he almost like lacks seems to lack some confidence in that he of course maybe yeah he would end up answering to this manipulative underling but the jury might think about the baroni they see before them and then think about that video and try to say hey you know maybe this guy is not is full of it and putting on an act for us and i wonder if because of that his uh the, the, the his decision to testify might end up hurting him in this. That old version of Bill Baroni you're talking about from uh, November of 2013 is the one that uh, committee chair John Wisniewski referred to back then as Baroni, quote, smirked through most of the hearing. That's right. And, you know, there's that famous tape, David, that we like to play of a former assemblywoman, Linda Stender, saying to Baroni, where are the emails? Where are the documents? This hearing is about the lack of communication and the poor conduct of the Port Authority. And you are here trying to cover that up. What I would like to know is whether or not you have an email trail. You're trying to tell us that this major, a study that had a major disruption on your major bridge has no paper trail, that there is not a single email that explains how this was done? That defies all logic, and nobody in this room believes that. And there was a point when Baroni was testifying when I was wondering, like, does anybody in this room believe that? There was no smirking from Baroni on the, on the stand. Um, there's no cockiness. He's, he looks very earnest. Um, he kind of smacks his lips together. He's looking directly at the jury. Uh, at one point, I saw him look in the air um, when he was talking about his regrets for believing Wildstein that this was just a traffic study as if he was looking at God and saying, why was I so naive to just think this was an innocent thing? Uh, you know, if if he is lying, it's quite the performance because he is coming across as somebody who's quite contrite and, and was manipulated. But it really, it's, it's difficult to to jive that with what we saw in the legislative testimony. Yeah, I, I would also chime in that I felt that there were points during the cross-examination where sort of Bill Moroni, the politician, came through. And I think that's what he's trying to suppress here. He was a former assemblyman, a former state senator, very sure of himself. And there were a couple of points during the testimony where that's sort of obviously his default mode to speak in that kind of politician kind of a way, and he was trying to rein it in, but you could see moments when it was peeking out, and I was wondering if the jurors had picked up on that. It's possible the pros- prosecutor, Lee Cortez, the assistant U.S. attorney who's uh, been cross-examining Baroni, he might be trying to provoke him a bit. He had one statement to Baroni. He said, gridlock, you understand that word, right? Like he's he's been quite... Um, uh, sarcastic with Baroni and uh, aggressive. I just want to say that overall, I think that um, Baroni has a pretty solid case 
that this was Wildstein's plan, that it was coming to Wildstein from Trenton, a.k.a. Governor Christie and his campaign manager, Bill Stepien, and that Wildstein was calling all the shots. However, saying that Wildstein was calling the shots is not a defense. So he has to convince jurors that he actually didn't know what was going on, not just that he went along with Wildstein because the power dynamics were such that Wildstein had the direct line to Governor Christie, and therefore Wildstein had the power to get Baroni fired, even though on paper Baroni was Wildstein's boss. I feel like I the clock has been run backwards three and a half years when we were covering this, and we were like, what's that weird traffic jam on the George Washington Bridge? And they were saying traffic study. And I'd covered transportation, so I knew, well, that's not how you perform traffic studies. You don't perform traffic studies by moving cones. You perform traffic studies by conducting computer models. And in fact, there was evidence in the courtroom that Baroni knew this too, and that he'd asked for a computer simulation in the Lincoln Tunnel, talking about different closure patterns for the Lincoln Tunnel for a construction job. Andrea, at the the risk of, uh, I don't know, another parental advisory for language here on the podcast, what else did we learn this week about how Governor Christie ran things? There was an interesting piece of testimony today in the trial where Baroni talked about a, a radio interview that the former head of the firefighters union in New Jersey had given in which he criticized Governor Christie. And Baroni describes a scene in which he was driving to Seton Hall Law School, where he taught law, and he said, my phone rang, and it was the governor on the phone, and the governor said to me, tell Bill Lavin, this individual, tell Bill to go F himself, and he actually testified F, uh, but he said, go tell Bill to F himself, and Bill Baroni said, I can't do that. He's a friend of mine, and according to Baroni's testimony, Christie said to him, you like your job? And then Baroni said he made the phone call. Bernie also said that David Sampson, uh, Christie's best friend and the former chairman of the Port Authority, had instructed Bill Baroni to go and punch Pat Foy, the head of the Port Authority, in the face after he reopened the lanes to the George Washington Bridge. Pat Foy was also threatened with murder. The head of the Port Authority Union, Paul Nunziato, had sent a message to David Wildstein at one point saying he was going to uh, offer to shoot Pat Foy in the head. So Pat Foy's been now threatened with physical violence twice, and there have been two separate instances of punching people in the face. And right. now, I wish to say no one was actually punched no, in the face. And no one has no been shot, shot in, the in the head. Right. The only thing that has really been punched in the face and shot in the head in this trial is Chris Christie's reputation, which <laughs> continues to take a beating. And regardless of what happens, uh, his reputation, because neither side has any interest in protecting it and both sides have an interest in different ways in disparaging it, that's what is all, definitely on trial here and has already basically been convicted. It's amazing all the unrelated things to the bridge that have come up about the way Chris Christie has performed and acted as governor. But all joking aside, this meme, go punch so-and-so in the face, there were all these kind of secret languages inside the Port Authority and inside the Christie administration. And go punch somebody in the face seems to be basically a code for saying go get what we want by treating someone very aggressively. And 
Baroni was put in the role of having to punch these various people in the face on behalf of Governor Christie and the Christie administration. It's fascinating to try to figure out who reports to who, who's in charge, who's really calling the shots here. Uh, Baroni says it was all Wildstein and Wildstein only answered to Trenton. Right. And Wildstein, of course, said he answered to Baroni and to Bridget Kelly. But I do think in the aggregate, when you look at all of the evidence and all of the emails and all of the testimony, there is no question that Wildstein was brokering this whole thing. Bill Baroni and Bridget Kelly only spoke on one occasion directly uh, prior to this trial. There are lots of emails from David Wildstein where he's calling the shots, where he's delivering messages from Trenton, uh, which could be Governor Christie or it could be Bill Stepien. So it's pretty clear that Wildstein had more power than he tried to say in his own testimony. So that's Wildstein. But then there's some other people who are not on trial who are very powerful There's been quite a bit of testimony about Governor Christie being personally involved in things, with him telling Wildstein who to hire and who to fire, with him personally ordering that nobody meet with the mayor of Jersey City, Steve Fulop, because Steve Fulop had endorsed Chris Christie. And then the other person who's emerging as a significant power player here is, I mean, we knew it already, but David Sampson, who was pleaded guilty in a separate bribery trial, There was testimony last week by Christie's chief counsel, Charlie McKenna, that he couldn't tell David Sampson what to do. David Sampson was way above him. And then Bill Baroni testified this week that it was David Sampson who was pushing him to go back in and to try and reclose the lanes after the New York executive director, Pat Foy, had opened them. What Bill Baroni was saying is that Sampson told me I had to go in there and say this was important to Trenton. So you see these hidden hands of David Sampson, Bill Stepien, Chris Christie, really laying it on personally with how the Port Authority was run not really the independent agency that they've been representing it to be. Flipping to the presidential race, Governor Christie doesn't seem to be very interested in protecting Donald Trump's reputation anymore. I mean, aside from popping up on sports radio, we haven't heard much from Governor Christie lately. Uh, Matt, he he had been Trump's explainer-in-chief, but uh, once that video with Billy Bush became public and all of this incessant talk from Trump about the election being rigged, Uh, Christie seems to have stepped out of that role. He has. uh, He's not been on TV as a surrogate since that Access Hollywood video with Billy Bush. He was cornered, though, by an NBC reporter, Kelly O'Donnell, on the streets of New York uh, this week. And uh, she was able to ask him a few questions. She asked him about the allegations against Trump involving sexual assault. And Christie said that he's assured me, meaning Trump, Trump has assured me that these are lies and fabrications which obviously Trump has told everyone. And he said, quote, a number of the allegations have been discredited. Obviously, uh, he didn't explain what those allegations are because I don't know of any that have really been discredited. So he's really standing by his man in that instance. He is believing Trump over these legions of accusers. But but interestingly, she asked if he was proud of the campaign Donald Trump is running. The person who needs most to be concerned about the kind of campaign they're running is the candidate, because it's the candidate's campaign. It's not my campaign. 
It's not Jeff Sessions' campaign. It's not Rudy Giuliani's campaign. We're surrogates. And I'm proud of everything I've said. And that's all I can control. And Christie dodged that question about whether he's really proud of the campaign that Trump is running. I thought that was very interesting. He will also not be at the third debate. He was at the first one, skipped the second one, which was in the wake of these allegations and the and the uh, hot mic tape, and he is skipping the third. So there appears to be something of a downshift in his approach as one of uh, Trump's chief defenders, but he is not reversing himself, and he's still standing by his man. I mean, the fact that he's still a surrogate and, and a supporter means he can't really play this game of distancing himself from what's going on in that campaign. Absolutely not. And he's still transition chairman. I mean, uh, presumably he's still, you know, taking calls from uh, prospective undersecretaries of agriculture and uh, he still has that job to do. Presumably he's still, you know, going down to Washington, D.C. Then the, the, the government doesn't really, the governor's office doesn't really tell us the governor's public schedule anymore. But presumably he's still going down to Washington, D.C., northern Virginia area to meet with the transition team, which is quite extensive. There's no indication that he's um, resigned from that role. So uh, he is still very much a part of this Trump campaign. But obviously it is increasingly politically difficult to do so if you want to have a political future in this country, it seems. All right, we'll have to check in with you both uh, next week, and we'll finish with some more vintage Sesame Street music. WNYC's Matt Katz and Andrea Bernstein, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, David. Sometimes when you want to get somewhere, you need a bridge. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to Season 2 of the podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00, that is Matt, K-A-T-Z, and Andrea Bernstein at Andrea WNYC. I'm David First, and uh, I like this. Let's wrap up with one more peaceful reflection about bridges. And some bridges are very, very beautiful. And more importantly... The George Washington Bridge is a vital lifeline for commuters, for visitors, and for regional commerce.